0: You know, when you read about how much your body benefits from eating smarter, including healthy proteins, being keto friendly, or maybe just being more conscious with your calories, they usually don't tell you that you're nearly required to become some sort of amateur chef, or at minimum, spend a lot of time searching for recipes and ingredients. That is, unless you know about Factor. The ready-to-eat meals at Factor are not only delicious, but they're great for you. And they can also be ready in just two minutes. Do you have two minutes to feel so much better about what you're putting into your body? I bet you do. There are over 35 different options to choose from. There's no prepping, no cooking, no chopping ingredients. You just heat it up and enjoy it. Factor is full of fast premium options. And being a part-time chef, not required. Head to factormeals.com 10mm50. And use code 10MM50 to get 50% off. That's code 10MM50 at factormeals.com slash 10MM50 to get 50% off. Robert Burdella isn't the most talked about killer out there, but he deserves to be recognized for the monster that he is, or was. He's another serial killer from the 1980s who raped, tortured, and killed. And just like Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy even years before that, he hunted young men, engaging in manipulative sexual relationships with them, while creating an imbalance of power. You're going to find out which horror movie influenced him so much that he heard a click in his head and went for kills. And what caused him to experiment on his victims with drain cleaners and electric shocks, and then document these actions with Polaroid pictures? Let's dive into the sick world of Robert Burdella, The Kansas City Butcher. Welcome to 10-Minute Murder, brief and bingeable true crime. Hi, I'm Joe, the host, and I'm glad that you decided to listen to my little podcast today. It means a lot. If this is another episode in your binge of 10-Minute Murder that you've got going on, by all means, please continue and welcome back. If it's your first time listening, I'm super pumped to have you here. Please buckle up because the story today is disturbing and it's interesting as well. Now, I was watching this Netflix show called I Am a Killer, It doesn't seem to be extremely popular, so you may or may not have seen it. But I was catching up on the new season, and they showed a stat that kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, It says that there are currently more than 135,000 people in prison for murder right now. And over 25% of those have been diagnosed with a serious mental illness. And that leaves many more undiagnosed. That's just what they have confirmed on paper as of right now. 25%, over 25% of 135,000. And I talk about mental illness quite a bit on this podcast because it's the one common denominator that nearly every single story I talk about here has. Now, I don't pretend to have a solution to this problem. That's not in my realm of expertise. I'm not smart enough to come up with a solution for this. But I do know that until we can all admit that we have a mental illness epidemic in this country, we can't begin to take steps toward doing something about it by the numbers alone. Getting these people help early enough can save thousands and thousands of lives. Having a mental illness isn't something to be ashamed of. It's not something you did to yourself, but it does mean that you need to get some help. If you're a friend or family member of someone suffering from a mental illness, please encourage them to get help as well. Now, before we get going with the story today, this is your reminder to subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts and also connect with 10-Minute Murder on social media. Links are in the show notes of this episode as well as at 10minutemurder.com. Now to the story. Robert Berdella was born on January 31st, 1949 in Ohio. And being the eldest son of a religious family, he was always attending masses and religious education courses. As a child, he was every school bully's dream. He had those thick Coca-Cola bottle glasses, those big thick lens glasses. And he also suffered from a speech impediment. And as time went by, he solidified his loner status, didn't really engage in any type of sporting activities or any physical activity at all, so he started gaining weight. Isolation, due to limiting all of his social encounters to the religious community and a rather strict household, led to some social awkwardness. All of this caused his father to make fun of him and compare him to his more able sons even more. Just as Robert became the easiest target for school bullies, He became just that for his father, being constantly emotionally and physically abused. Robert's younger brother, Daniel, was the father's favorite. As he reached his teen years, he discovered something about himself. He was gay, and he kept it to himself. Coming out in the 1960s would have only been the 13th reason why to bully him. When Robert was 16 years old, his father died of a heart attack on Christmas Day, and then his life took a nosedive. Robert's mother remarried, which made Robert feel left behind and, in his mind, betrayed. What's more, according to Berdella, he was sexually assaulted by a man at the restaurant where he worked. All of this was building up, making his anger and resentment grow even more. Robert, with his upbringing, was taught to seek help and ease in the arms of God. So he turned to prayer in these difficult times. And unfortunately, religion didn't provide him with the comfort that he needed, this caused him to withdraw from society even more and hide in his shell, which consisted of rudeness and fake, exaggerated confidence. With time, he became the nasty, annoying kid who would bully others just as he was bullied before. There are few known cases where a movie really impacted someone's thought process so much that it resulted in the desire to kill someone. In 1965, a movie called The Collector revolved around a guy who kidnaps a woman and imprisons her in his basement just for the pleasure of having her there. Besides the fact that he selected men over women, it's a direct analogy for the method that Berdella followed in his eventual murders. This is how strong and lasting the impression of this movie made on Robert. Two years later, in 1967, Berdella relocated to Kansas and got accepted to the Kansas City Art Institute, where he was considered a smart kid at first. His bad behavior began to escalate. For instance, Robert started abusing alcohol and drugs. He even became a small local dealer, but this wasn't the worst of it. Animal abuse could be the triad feature that raises the most red flags. This practice is a major contributor to future violence, manslaughter, rape, partner abuse, and child abuse. Names of people with these tendencies include Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Gary Ridgway, John Wayne Gacy, and the Boston Strangler. I've talked about the McDonald Triad on this podcast before, and if you're not familiar, please look that up. Some serial killers torment animals as children because they can dominate and control them more easily compared to their bullies or caregivers. Berdella justified his animal abuse with art. He experimented with the effects of sedatives on a dog for his art before torturing and cooking a live duck in front of other students. He quit the Kansas City Art Institute after the obvious public outrage he caused, and pursued a career as a chef. I guess so he could cook more ducks without being punished for it. Afterward, Robert moved to the most infamous address of Kansas City, 4315 Charlotte Street. He finally felt free to explore his sexuality and became a frequent gay bar goer. His previous disappointment in religion led him to the opposite path, a fascination in the occult magic. He combined his interest in the occult with a growing collection of rare and ancient artifacts and established a rather unique shop in 1982 at the age of 32. Bob's Bazaar Bazaar was an antique and curiosity shop. It sold things like primitive art, Asian artifacts, and jewelry. He made friends with his co-worker's son, Jerry Howell. In June 1984, 19-year-old Howell trusted Robert, who promised Jerry that he would give him a lift to a dance contest. Unfortunately, Jerry became Robert's first victim, fulfilling his dark fantasies from The Collector movie, Jerry was drugged with heavy sedatives and tied to Burdella's bed. Robert abused, repeatedly raped, and tortured Jerry for over 24 hours before Jerry gagged on his own vomit and his heart stopped due to the amount of drugs in his bloodstream. When Burdella realized that his prisoner was dead, he sliced Jerry's throat and other arteries to drain the blood from his body, which was hanging upside down. A day later, he went back and cut him up with a chainsaw and knives he placed the parts in multiple bags which were later collected and sent to the landfill site. Robert described all of these and future events in detail as well as took pictures of each stage of his murder. His notes described every specific act of torture and abuse as well as the physical and mental gratification he gained from the killings. The next year, in 1985, Robert Sheldon, who was another friend of Berdella's, decided he would spend the night a couple of nights at Berdella's place. One day, Sheldon fell asleep, and as he woke up, he was heavily drugged and tied up in Berdella's basement. Robert wanted to hold Sheldon captive for some time, just like in The Collector, but a workman who came to fix something in Berdella's home caused him to end Sheldon's life quicker than he wanted to. Two months later, the same story. Berdella asked Mark Wallace to do some yard work and later invited him into the house. Mark was drugged, abused, raped, and he died due to the drugs, the gag, and the lack of oxygen. Berdella went on a The Collector-inspired spree and couldn't stop himself. Only three months later, in September of the same year, he met James Ferris at a gay bar and invited him for what was about to become his last meal ever at Berdella's house. One of the tortures included a 7,700-volt electrical shock to his testicles. In June 1986, Berdella lured and abused a male prostitute named Todd Stoops, for six weeks straight before murdering him like his previous victims. The next year, he killed another victim of his experiments in the basement, Larry Pearson. Among many other tortures, Pearson and Stoops had a drain cleaner injected into their throats to silence their screaming. In March of 1988, he decided to imprison another male prostitute, Chris Bryson, who would become Robert Badella's downfall. Amazingly, Christopher Bryson, 22 years old, after earning sufficient trust from the captor, was able to get out of the Burdella property by himself. He jumped out of a window from the second floor, naked with visible scars, wearing a dog collar around his neck. He had a broken foot and he managed to get to the neighbor's house and cry for help. His report led to Burdella's arrest. Robert Berdella was charged with the murders of six men. What's so different about Berdella is that he killed people he personally knew, not some random hitchhiker or an accidental pedestrian from another state. All of the people who had undergone these terrible experiments at Berdella's were his friends at one point, which makes it impossible to understand why he wasn't called by investigators before that. And just like Jeffrey Dahmer preyed on mostly people of color, Robert kidnapped male prostitutes to stay off the radar in the 80s. And thanks to Chris Bryson, he was caught. Robert died of a heart attack in the Missouri State Penitentiary on October 8, 1992, at the age of 43, marking an end to the Kansas City Butcher. That's 10-Minute Murder for today. Brief and bingeable true crime. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. So, hold on. First, make sure you are connected to 10-Minute Murder on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, You can find them at 10minutemurder.com. Also, there are links in the show notes of this episode, or you can just as easily go to the search bar within any of those platforms, type in 10-Minute Murder, and it's going to pop right up. Okay, now, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, you can do that right now. Wherever you're listening, wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts, there's always going to be a place to subscribe. It doesn't always say subscribe, so it would be too easy if it did that, but, but the verbiage is all pretty similar. Now, I'm going to stop talking for a moment and let you go ahead and subscribe. Okay, that's about how long it takes. I appreciate you subscribing to the podcast. And if you enjoy it enough to subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family about the show. Thank you for listening to 10-Minute Murder. Be safe and make good choices. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?